as Pastor said earlier today, just happy Father's Day to all the fathers. And hopefully, amen, you got at least one piece of chicken. Amen. Hopefully, amen, your family did you right this time and gave you at least half of a piece. Glory to God. <laughs> but no, thank you for being a father. Extremely important. And so um, I'm going to say this again. I said this before. and I'm going to say it again. Me and Pastor did not conspire. I promise you. I know it seemed, because I know how y'all think, man. I know because I know how I think. You know, and I hear, I'm like, oh, see, there they go again. I promise you, I did not, we, me and Pastor did not discuss how to do this, but tonight, I want to talk about fathers, but I'm going to take a little bit different, <laughs> different angle um, this evening, so if you would just bear with me, and we're going to talk about uh, just a slight different vein, amen. There's a giant tortoise by the name of Diego. I know, talking about fathers, and I'm starting off with turtles. I Just stay with me. Giant tortoise is, this giant tortoise is credited with saving his species. He uh, has finally retired to an uninhabited island off the uh, coast of Ecuador after decades of service in a breeding program. Diego, the turtle, returns to his native island of Española in a move that closes an important chapter in the management of the Galapagos National Park. Fifteen tortoises from Española, including, including Diego, are going home after decades of breeding in captivity and saving their species from extinction. The United Nations Environmental Program also marked the occasion, posting on Twitter, uh, posting on Twitter on Monday that Diego had returned home to his natural environment in Galapagos Islands. The giant tortoise is over a hundred years old and produced over eight hundred offspring. When he arrived, there were just two males and 12 females of his species alive. So I want you to get the picture here. There were only two males and 12 females in total alive on the island. But Diego helped to boost the population to over 2,000. The Galapagos National Parks Service believed that a hundred year old believe the hundred year old tortoise is the patriarch around of around 40 percent of that population. This turtle saved his species by simply becoming a father. Through his offspring, a species was saved. A group that was on the verge of extinction, saved by one turtle that was, to say the term usually, willing to be used. What this shows us, and what I want to illustrate to you, and that fathers are extremely important. But I want to make the case tonight that just as a natural father, just as natural fathers are important, the church also needs spiritual fathers. Men who will take on the role or the paternal care to another man, spiritually speaking. So I want to look at this subject for a moment. And I'm going to step on some toes. That's my goal. I want to make you feel slightly uncomfortable because the bottom line is the church needs spiritual fathers. And this is not a calling to those who are called to preach. This is not only a sermon for those who feel that they are called to pastor one day. 
But anyone in the kingdom of God, any man can be a spiritual father if they're living right for God, if they're obedient to the things of God, and they're going all out for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So please don't make this go, oh, that must be for so-and-so, and that must be for such-and-such, because they're the ones called to preach. No, this is for every man in here. And so I'm going to challenge you. And if you don't like me, add the words, I still love you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 14, amen, through 16. Bible tells us this, I did not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Let's read verse 17. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. And God, I pray, I veil myself in you, God. Let your word breathe upon the congregation. And I pray, God, I pray, let an uprising in the heart begin to happen. Let us as men, God, and even women, God, rise up to be spiritual fathers and even mothers, to other people. God, I pray, help us. Give us understanding. I leave it in your hands, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Spiritual fathers, amen tonight. Spiritual fathers. Let's look firstly at Paul's point. Paul makes it clear that his approach to this church is not out of a lack or, or, or hate, but from a heart of love. We know the church had problems and we know the church had issues and Paul deals with them throughout the chapter, uh, but then we come to verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. What I want you to see here is that Paul is not pitting one against the other. In other words, he's not pitting instructors, amen, against fathers here. He is not saying that instructors are bad or that fathers are better. But more so what Paul is dealing with is the root is this. You have many who can teach you for a season, but there are not many who will care for you for a lifetime. That's all right. You ain't got to say amen. Don't worry about it. You have many that will show you a lot of things, but you don't have many amen that will be with you through thick and thin. You don't have many, amen, that will be got something in you. You do not have many who have birthed you or birthed something in you through the gospel. And my question to you on this Father's Day is, will you be a spiritual father to someone? Instructors are common and fathers are rare and we need more fathers. Spiritual father who will take the burden of birthing and raising children in the faith, if you will, for the furtherance of the gospel. What we can gather here is that both are needed, but the church can't be full of instructors. There has to be father. So let me, let me bring some balance here before I continue. I'm not saying, amen, that you have to become pastor to them. 
That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to overthrow authority. But what I am saying is that as a father, there is a care, amen, that must go into people. There is a love that must go into people. And you begin to teach, you begin to exhort, but you also begin to rebuke and correct. But it's all out of love and it's constant. When we're dealing, when I'm dealing with my boys, it's constant. Listen to me, I don't just deal with them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Can you say Amen. It's every hour. It's every day. Sometimes it's every 15 minutes. That one thing after another, not saying all bad, see how y'all think? Not all bad. But just dealing with them and loving them and putting things in them and trying to take some things out of them. You hear what I'm saying? And that's what we need in the church. We need spiritual fathers, amen, who will get out of the comfort zone and begin to become a father to another man. Now, I know that sounds crazy. Well, pastor, he's 32 and I'm 38. So, spiritually speaking, he's 12 and you're 50. We're not talking about natural fathers. We're talking about spiritual ones, and that's a whole nother dynamic. And this is what Paul is getting at, amen, because we need fathers. We need men who are creating an atmosphere conducive for others to be fruitful. As a father in the natural, that's what you do with your family. You create an atmosphere where each person of that family, each person, each member can become fruitful in some sense and in some sort. So it is in the church, amen. Spiritual fathers create an atmosphere where people, amen, can become fruitful. Where others can follow and learn. And let me inject this for free before I go forward. Listen to me, ladies. You can be spiritual mothers. Did I say something wrong? Was that, was that unbiblical? Yeah, y'all looked at me like, the mother, I got kids already. <laughs> I understand that, but you know what? Spiritual kids are important too. And so ladies, please don't shut down on me tonight and go, okay, I'm turning it off. You know, he's only talking. No, no, no. You can be mothers to someone else. That's okay. You ain't got to say amen, ladies. I'll let the Lord deal with you. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Fathers pave the way. Fathers set boundaries because they care. It is not a duty for the spiritual father, but an honor to be able to influence a generation for the sake of Christ. It is an honor, amen, to influence another generation of men and women, amen. But we, we, it, is, it should be our duty. Not just the do, oh, I got to follow up again. No, it should be, man, I get a chance to follow up again. I get a chance to influence, amen. I get a chance to put into someone. I get a chance, amen, to see a family that was once on their way to hell, now on their way to the promise in Christ. The bottom line is we need men to rise up before Christ and make a covenant with God that they will be fathers or they will father children in the spiritual realm. That men will be as this turtle and begin to have children because if not, this generation will be lost. 
when you do some statistical studies, you'll realize that when you see high crime rate, you'll see more fatherlessness. You start doing your own studies. Look at the top 10 worst cities to live in. And when you start doing statistics and you start looking at numbers, you will realize that those cities have high rates of fatherless homes. And what we are seeing is a generation that is being lost because they're growing up without fathers. And we'll look at that and go, it's a shame. They should be fathers. Where the dad is at? Where they, and, we're, right, and we'll point our finger. I can't believe they will lead their children. But oh, in the church, we excuse it. Huh? Oh, in the church, we excuse it. Well, you know, I ain't their daddy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I ain't they, they're going to have to do, they're going to have to figure it out. How? How? They need someone to guide them. Dad, I got my own children. I got my own problems. Okay? So do they. And they need someone, amen, who will say, you know what, I'll be a father to you. Now, I'm not going to embarrass these two individuals, but I feel like I'm the father of at least two people in here. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass them. But they know who they are. And they'll tell you, because me and my wife sacrifice nights, they will tell you two in the morning, three in the morning. They will tell you coming over. They're having them over, eating up the food, eating their food. I mean, all types of stuff. They will tell you, being there at graduations and being there when they were down and rebuking them when it was needed. Listen to me. That and then to see them in the church, that's my joy. Not that I can say, yeah, I was their daddy. No. I don't. To see what they're doing. To see that, you know, I could make, me and my wife can make our lives count. We need men who are going to rise up, man. Stop being scared. Get involved with somebody's life. How can we always champion the mentors and, and, and the people who decide to, you know, the, 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 the foster parents and, and people like that who decide to get into a child's life? We, we champion that and go, thank you, thank you. But in the church, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get involved with somebody. No, man, people need you to get involved. Paul's point is that as a father, I have come to you. And not many can come at you like this because they have not put the time into you. They have not cried and labored with you. That's what a spiritual father does. And let me ask you a question, men. Are you a spiritual father? Let's look secondly at the difference. The difference. So the question then must be asked, what is the difference between a father and an instructor? How far are those differences that Paul will tell the church basically, hey, instructors are, a, instructors are a dime a dozen and fathers are far few in between. What are the differences where Paul would make that distinction? Well, let me give you a couple. I have a, a few, but I'm going to give you a couple. You saw how I use those words? I never give numbers because I may just keep going. I don't know. So I have a few, but I'm going to give you a couple. <laughs> Number one, teachers have an intellectual connection. Fathers have a heart connection. See, when we're looking at instructors, they have a mental connection with their students. And that's as far as it goes, oftentimes. But a father, amen, it's not just a mental connection, but it's a heart connection. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. 2 Kings 5.26. Then he said to them, did not my heart go with you? 
when that man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and is it time uh, and time to receive and to receive clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, and male and female servants. We know the story. This is Elijah dealing with Gehazi, but listen to what he says. When you read, did not my heart go with you? Not my mind, not my intellect, but my heart. Because Elijah was treating Gehazi like a son. That you are the next in line, and I'm pouring into you. See, information can connect people. And we can listen to a lot of people who stimulate our minds through that very information. But fathers build through the heart. They also have an intellectual connection. But listen to me. They also have a heart connection. It's deep-rooted. It deals with relationship. So fathers go out to build relationship. Number two, teachers want to teach. Fathers want their sons and daughters to teach others. In other words, teachers would do Bible studies and do whatever they can that they may be able to teach the word of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let me make that clear. They'll do anything they can to teach the word of God and push the word of God on other people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But fathers want to see the people that they have birthed do the teaching. Oh, you ain't with me no more. That's fine. I'm, I'm still here, though. In other words, a spiritual father doesn't just want to teach somebody, but he wants them to start doing the teaching. He wants them, my sons, amen, I don't want, I don't want to just give them something, I want to give them something and let start seeing them do it. Again, I can only use myself because I don't want to offend nobody else. But even with my son who plays the drums, I put that in him, I don't want to play the drums. I mean, I'll do it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to say it like that. Like, I don't want to do the drone. I'll do it. <laughs> but to see him do it, it's like, man, I put that there. And there were other men along the way that helped him and helped him grow. I, mean, I, like, I, I birthed that. And there's nothing greater than to see him doing it. And that's what fathers want. I don't want to do all the Bible studies. I want the children I birthed to start doing Bible studies. I don't want to do all the street preaching. I want to see the children that I'm birthing and I'm working with. I want to see you do the street preaching. Fathers gain fulfillment from seeing others that they have worked with starting to do the work. Are you starting to see the difference now between an instructor and a father? 3 John 3, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. That's a father. I have no greater joy than to see you doing the will of God. I have no greater joy than to see you doing the work of God. And that's what is so special about spiritual fathers, because they don't just instruct and teach. And a semester later, they're going to instruct and teach. No, they're there for a lifetime, and they're gaining joy out of seeing their children flourish. Third thing, teachers want to illuminate. Fathers want to pour into Teachers want to spread the truth and show how to apply it 
uh, apply it to the other to people's lives. They want to teach that. They want to illuminate. They want to open things up for them. Fathers take it a step further, though. They will not only give information, but they lead in the info through exampleship, through modeling of God's life. Can you say amen? So here it is, a father, amen, a teacher. Again, I'm not saying that instructors are bad or wrong. Not saying that at all, but an instructor oftentimes just wants to illuminate and open things up and let the students take it in and apply it. But a father says, no, I'm going to go a step further and I'm going to not only give you information, but I'm going to show you how to apply it. I'm going to illuminate it through my life. I'm going to illuminate it through the way I walk. I'm going to illuminate it through the way I talk. How I live is how you're going to learn it. And I'm going to pour everything I can into you so that... You can do it. You know, it burns me up. Can I, can, I, can I say that? Is that okay? You know what burns me? You know what, you know what grinds my gears? Huh? You know what burns my bacon? You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you what does it. And this offends you, whatever. But this, this, I cannot stand this. Is when people are doing a ministry and they're not teaching anybody else how to do that ministry. It burns me up. Because it's like you're so focused on getting it right that when you leave, nobody knows what to do. You are so focused on getting the ministry right. I got to do this. I got to do it right. That all these other willing bodies are like, all right, well, he got to get it right. I guess I'll just wander. Instead of bringing somebody along going, today I'm your daddy. We're going to learn how to do this. We are going to learn this. We are going to do this. I remember I grabbed my son. I said, hey, man, it's time for you to play the drums. You're a grown man. You need to learn this, bro. I'm tired. You mean to tell me I got to play the drums and preach? You got to do everything? Huh? That's how you feel about your father? I got to do it all, huh? I got to just, hey, clean up the church, fix that, do that, fix this, do that, play, preach. I just got to do it all. As you can see, I go over the top with things just to make a point. You're going to learn these drums. Let's go. Some of y'all, that's what you need to do to some of these guys in here. Huh? Willing bodies in here, but because no father is going, come on, I'm going to be your daddy. Let's learn. So that way I can step away and go to this and you can start doing that. Mm, it's quiet now. The microphone's still on, right? Just making sure. Because it takes a deeper level of care, church. And that deeper level of care goes beyond comfort. It goes beyond comfort. It goes beyond what I'm comfortable with. Can I be honest with you as I'm going to begin to wind this up? Can I be honest with you? I'm comfortable with not talking. I don't know if some of you know. I can just not talk. It is really easy for me just not to say anything. You just do all the time. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, mm, that is wonderful. Now, what if I treated my children like that? Because that's my comfort. I'm good with not talking to you. Can you imagine my sons come up to me, my daughter? Daddy, how you doing? You know what? I don't feel like talking. Just not comfortable right now talking in this arena 
I got a lot going on, son. Just really don't, you know, just don't want to deal with you right now. How? You would look at me like a terrible father. And some of you would say it to my face and behind my back. You are a terrible father. Now, if you do that in the kingdom of God, what does that make you? <laughs> I ain't going to say it. I'm just going to ask you. What, what does it make us? If we are not willing to get out of comfort to help someone else and to, if you will, train somebody else and to disciple other men and to become fathers to these fatherless men who are just seeking Christ and want to just do right or don't know how to seek Christ. If we don't do that, what, what does that make us? See, we got to go beyond comfort, men. This is not about your comfortability. It's about what needs to be done. And what needs to be done is that there is a generation that needs spiritual fathers. Look, listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. I'm closing. But I, I got to say this because I don't know if I can say it ever again. But you know what? You know what? We're looking at, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and we're looking at all these things. But you know what's so interesting? If you start polling them, find out how many of them don't have fathers. And then my question would be, where are the fathers that are saying, this ain't right, son? Where are the father? Where are the spiritual fathers that are going? Don't do this. Not this. Don't riot. Don't do. Don't. No. No. There's a way to do things, and this is not the way. Where are the fathers? They're comfortable. That's where they are. They don't want to get involved because they won't be blamed. They don't want to have to deal with the dirt. And we'll have to deal with the issues. And I would dare say maybe that's some of you in here. I don't want to deal with it. That's on them. They're going to have to figure it out. I don't want to be blamed. This generation needs fathers. It needs spiritual men that are willing to be men. <laughs> And go, I'm going to step. Listen to me. I don't play around anymore. Look, I'm going to step into your life. I'm going to help you. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have to do the smoke and mirror thing. All right, I'm going to trick them. I'm going to act like I'm their friend, but I'm really trying to be the daddy. <laughs> so I'm going to just get in real good. I'm going to talk. And, and then, boom, hey, I'm your daddy now. It doesn't work that way. You understand? We got to be straight. Like, listen. Sir, I'm just trying to help you, bro. I've been saying a little bit. I don't know everything, but I think I know a little more than you. Isn't that how we treat our sons? Son, I don't know everything, but I definitely know more than you do. And so I'm going to help you. This is not, and let me put this in. Listen to me. This is not to make it like some type of domination thing. You know, this isn't some, yeah, I'm over you because you know I know. No. This is a, you need help. And I'm willing to help you. To be honest, your supervisor at work is your daddy. <laughs> if he's a male. That's your daddy. Look, look. The man, he might, yes, he is. Yes, he is. He questions you. He tells you what to do. He gives you time frames. That's your daddy. <laughs> That's your papa. You call him when you're going to be late. 
Because you, you broke curfew. Come on, son. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's your daddy. And then, but that's cool, though. That's okay. But when it comes to the church, we, oh, man, I don't need no daddy. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need someone to help you. Again, this is not a domination thing. This is, you know, I'm using the word daddy and father, but listen to me. I, and I know what that connotation brings, but I'm, it's not to be a dominating, domineering. Yeah, I'm over you. You will listen to everything I say. I had the opportunity to whoop you if I want. It's not that. Even though I would love to. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. But it's not that. It's a, listen. Spiritually speaking, I'm a little bit older, I'm a little bit wiser, and I'm able to bring you to where I am, and the hope is that I bring you to where I'm at so you can jump off and be better than where I am. That is the goal of every spiritual father, to be better than what I am. There are plenty of sons out there that are looking for spiritual fathers. Will you be one? Let me close with me to you and you to them. Verse 16 of our text. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What Paul tells the church, he tells them that follow, uh, Paul tells the church that follow your father as you have seen the exampleship, as you have seen me walk, so you walk. But then Paul speaks of his spiritual son, Timothy, who imitates Paul, who will remind them of all that Paul is and all that Paul does. What we see here is the son carrying the mantle of the father. In other words, Paul is saying that what I was to Timothy, so Timothy will be to you. The father legacy is what children do, is what they carry. In other words, Paul is saying, look, I was a spiritual father to you and to Timothy, and now Timothy is going to carry that legacy to you. See, as spiritual fathers, when we put into a spiritual son, the goal is for him to carry on that legacy. To carry on what was put into him. This is, this is why, in part, why we have the fellowship that we have. It's because there were spiritual fathers, but then there were spiritual sons. And no sons, amen, carried the legacy of Christ. They carried the mantle and put those in other sons. And then no sons put it in other sons. I can remember when my son told me one day, I want to be like you, Dad. And I looked him right in the eye and said, you want to be better than me. Being me is not enough. I'm stupid. Don't be stupid like me. Be better than me. Because that's what legacy, legacy is about impartation. And that impartation, amen, growing greater and greater and greater as it goes farther and farther down the line. Paul is telling the church, continue the legacy. As I have been a father to you, you now be fathers to someone else. I would say that this principle was true thousands of years ago, and that principle is still true today. That just as somebody, listen to me, every man in here, 
If you are born again and you're a disciple, somebody was a father to you. Somebody. You can think back. That was, he was a father to me. A spiritual father. And because of that, you have been imparted with something. And now it is our job, amen, to put that into somebody else. So that they can continue on the legacy. And if I can throw this in for free, you need to be a willing son. <laughs> in other words, as somebody is trying to train you and trying to help you and trying to show you the things of God, you have to be a willing son. When I got saved, I didn't know anything about Christ. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know how this thing worked. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I didn't, I, you know, I learned word. I never said tremendous before. Uh, tremendous, bro. It's stupendous. I'm like, what, did, what? Is that what Christians do? We use these words? You know, I'll use them in the wrong context. You know, man, the car, you know, skies are tremendous. Like, what? What, am I talking, what are you talking about? But what was happening was that I was willing to be imparted into. And so it was never a question. It was like, hey, you need to wear a tie. Okay. Hey, you need to wear a shirt and tie. All right. It wasn't, oh, shoot, man, the gospel, man. The gospel ain't saying nothing about no tie. Shoot, I can come in here, you know what I'm saying? Now, listen, if you don't wear it, look, I'm, look, I'm not saying that you have to, okay? What I'm saying is, as part of my discipleship, what they, were, they were cleaning me up. They were making me sharp. They were showing me that if you wouldn't go to an interview like that, why come to church like that? Huh? If you ain't going to go to an interview like that, then don't come to the house of God like that. They were showing me that the priests would put on the best garments. They would put on what God said to put on the best. Why? Because it was an ode to God. It was a, it was a worship to God. And so your part, part of your worship is what you wear. Because you're saying, God, I'm putting on my best for you. You understand what I'm saying? That they were teaching me something. And so in that, I was a willing son. I just soaked it all in. I never asked. You know, I, you know what question I never asked? Why? Pastors could have told me, run through a brick wall. Is it for Jesus? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was not, why? Why I got to do that? You need to be here more than prayer. I was like, why? It was like, all right. You're right. You need to do this. Okay. Be on time. Okay. Think. Man, I heard that a lot. I don't know if that's a Chandler thing, but man, think. Where's your brain? I don't know. I don't know. I remember telling him, I don't know. Are you thinking? Like, how do you answer that? Are you thinking? If I say yeah and I didn't do it, that means I wasn't. But if I say no, then he's going to think I'm trying to be funny. I don't know. But I'm going to think now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This wasn't like, oh, he's dumb. No, it was, I was a willing son. Tell me. Are you a willing son? Can we tell you in love? Can we tell you what's wrong? 
without you going off and, and see this is what I'm talking. <laughs> Pissing, want to say this. He always trying to help you, man. You're sloppy, trying to help you, tucking your shirt. See, you always got to, always got, I always got a what? What? Want excellence for the kingdom's sake? I'm, I'm going off a tangent. I got to get back. I got to get back. We need true men of God to be fathers to this generation. 2 Timothy 2 and 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know one reason why family traditions die? The reason why the passing down of different things stop is because there's no one to carry the mantle. To carry the baton, if you will. And if we don't break out of our comfort zones, we will drop the baton. 2 Kings 13, verse 20. Then Elijah died, and they buried him, and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was when they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elijah. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elijah, he revived and stood to his feet. Listen to me. If I can say something, Elijah wanted to be a father to Gehazi. But Gehazi didn't want to be a son. And because of that, all that Elijah had in him was buried with him. It was buried with him. And when this man, who was not a disciple, who was not trying to be in the things of God, touched him, he was made alive. But that was supposed to be for the son. That was supposed to be for a willing son. And it was, if you will, wasted on someone who doesn't even probably even care. Because he had it all bunched inside of him. See, some of you men in here, you have so much bunched inside of you. And if you are not careful, it's going to die with you. When there are others who, if they would hear you, if you would be a father to them, they may live. I am challenging you tonight. You out there watching, I'm challenging you too. It don't matter. I'm challenging you. Be a father. Be a natural father, but then take on the weight and responsibility of being a spiritual father. Choose him in the crowd and go, that's going to be my son. Go witness to them at the marketplace. That's going to be my son. I'm serious. You're going to be my son. We're going to have a good time. You're going to learn. And you're going to be able to do what I do. And you're going to be able to take my place one day. I'll leave you with one story. When, when I was a disciple... When I first became a disciple, I was in the church. I didn't know anything. I told you that already. So <clears throat> I heard about this whole uh, sending people out thing. That's what I called it, sending people out. They send people out. I'm like, man, they're kicking people out. I thought, wait, wait a minute. You know, I'm, again, raw, I don't know. I'm getting confused. I'm like, we're sending them out. We're kicking them. We're bringing them in. We send them. I'm like, well, this is, this is counterproductive. Either we keep them or let them go. We got to choose, right? So. They had to explain to me, no, 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 man, they, they, we, we, we train them here, and they go into another city, and, and they begin to do in that city what they did here. And I'm like, oh, that is so dope. 
What? You mean to tell me you, you train them to be pastors and, and then they just go out and start doing what they were trained to do? They're like, yeah, so you can be a pastor. I can? Yes, you can. I'm like, wonderful. But then they were like, but the thing is, when we send them out, so we send out our best couples. We send out our best, and usually our best have many positions within the church. And the problem becomes that when they get sent out, you know, we had to have people to come in and, and, and take their place. So it's, it's a twofold thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we need people to replace them. Yeah, cool. Pastor Prescott gets sent out. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Somebody's going to have to replace him. Because he plays the drums. He outreach. I'm like, man, somebody's going to have to. And I remember God, you. And I'm like, yeah, somebody's going to have to replace him. <laughs> God's like, you. I'm like, yeah, I, okay, I'll replace him. And all of a sudden, you know, my pastor at the time, Pastor Zara, was like, hey, I'm going to teach you the drums. I'm like, okay, I'll learn the drums because that's what Pastor Prescott did. So I learned the drums, and then I'm learning how to lead outreaches, and I'm learning how to do Bible studies because that's what he did. And I'm like, okay, I got to replace him. I got to replace him. But if I'm going to replace him, then when I go out, who's going to replace me? So that means I got to be a father to somebody else. Because if I'm going out and I'm doing, well, at the time, everything, <laughs> then somebody else has to be brought in to do everything. So, or if there's another ministry that's going to take my time, then somebody, I got to train somebody to do the ministry I was doing because maybe I'm not able to do both. You understand what I'm saying? Is that now I'm going, okay, I got to have a son. I got to have somebody to replace me. I got to teach somebody and put things into somebody so that I can have confidence that I can leave and the church is still functioning. And I'm not saying everything is hinged upon me. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But what it is is that you do as a pal, you do worry about that. Like, man, you know, I don't want to leave my church and shoot, shoot them in the foot. I want to be able to have somebody there. I can be like, no, 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 such and such can do it. Go ahead, take them. Men. That should be your thought. Let me ask you a question. Whatever ministry you're in, who's going to take your place? Who? Whatever you do, who is going to take your place? Something happened. Life happens. Things happen. People get calling at conference and want to go out. That said they weren't called to preach. I mean, things happen, folks. Who's going to take your place? Who's in training? Who's next in line? Who are you willing to pour into to ensure that you know what, no matter what, if I have to go or something happens with that person, you can trust them. They're a pillar. They'll uphold the legacy. They'll uphold what God has put into us. They'll uphold it. You can trust them. So that may mean you have to go out and get them. They're not going to always come to you. So stop waiting for people to come to you and ask. Maybe you need to start going and asking, hey, man, I need to teach you this. We need help here. So I encourage you, men. And again, remember, ladies, I know I was talking to men, but you can be spiritual mothers too. Because don't think for a second just because they come to church that they know what they're doing. 
when it comes to all types of things, whether it be child raising, whether it be reading their Bibles, whether it be praying, don't automatically assume just because they fill a seat that they know what those things are and how to do those things. And sometimes they need an experienced, sane, sane woman to come in and begin to show them, hey, do you know how to read your Bible? Hey, do you know how to, do you pray? Let's pray in the morning. Let's read together. Let's learn together. Can you say amen? So I challenge all of you. There are instructors. Praise God for instructors. But spiritual fathers is needed. Is needed. In this desperate time, we need men that will pour into lives. Not just give instruction, but pour into people. Let's bow our heads. God bless you.